This week on Geeksplained, we're kicking off July with a special star-spangled spotlight as we take a deep dive into Mark Wade and George Molina's Captain America, Man Out of Time. Welcome to Captain America Month. Welcome back to Geeksplained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is the very first installment of Captain America Month. The entire month of July is being dedicated to the first Avenger, the U.S.'s favorite son, the man out of time, the star-spangled Avenger, all of the analogs and the nicknames you want to give to him. This month's about Captain America. We're celebrating 80 years of Captain America this year, and I don't think there is another character that, when I think of the month of July, I can just immediately think of. Steve Rogers has been part of my life since I was very small, since I was a very small boy, and I am really excited to spend an entire month on this podcast talking all things Captain America, and we're kicking things off with a big, big favorite of mine, a sentimental favorite, one of my absolute just must-read Captain America stories that I recommend to anyone who's even got a passing interest in the character. It is Mark Waid and George Molina's Captain America Man Out of Time. This book was published in the far-flung past of 2010. I know that feels like 50 years ago. That's what a pandemic will do to you. But it is a sentimental favorite of mine. It's one of my must-read Captain America stories, and it's a it's a comic that I haven't been able to really do a deep dive into. I've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast before. It's made its way onto many of my lists. And now we get to just talk about it in full. And I'm very excited to share that with you. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I talk to you about all the comics you should be picking up this week. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous, and I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I am recording this episode as well as this news segment in advance because when you are listening to this, by the time that you are listening to this episode, I will be spending the week with my partner. It is her birthday, uh, July 7th comes around the same time every single year, and I'm excited to spend some time with her, so a big thank you. And a big shout out to my partner, Sammy. Uh, she puts up with me having to do this every single week. So I figure that the least I can do is record this episode in advance, set some time apart for her, and we will, we're going to go watch some whales. So very excited to do that. So if 
by the time that this episode drops, there have been big news things that happen, which I kind of have a feeling there might be, and we'll get into it with the other news. Um, we will just have to address it next week, or if it's something like really, really big, maybe I'll do an extra talking about it. But as of right now, this is the news we're going to be talking about. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, no comic book news this week. So we're going to go ahead and dive straight into miscellaneous news. Three pieces of video game news that I'm, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about a couple of these. So uh, first off, some unfortunate news. BioWare has announced that there will be no new Mass Effect or Dragon Age news at the upcoming EA Play Live event. Uh, this is sad because I know they have been working really hard on both of those games and at I'm still playing through the Legendary Edition of the Mass Effect trilogy. I just wrapped up Mass Effect 2, and I am excited to dive into Mass Effect 3. But um, give I am giving them as much time as possible as they need, especially with Bioware kind of needing to redeem themselves after games like Andromeda. So I absolutely advocate for giving them time giving them space they will show us stuff when it is ready also we got some big rumors for another franchise that i've talked about I actually did a dedicated episode to this uh video game franchise last year doing our uh, geektober event it was dead space there have been some rumors that have been circulating over I would say the past little bit of time. Uh, I haven't talked about them because there's been nothing really to talk about, but this past week there was some big, big news that this new Dead Space game might just be not only a remake, but also a reboot. Apparently they were inspired by the success of games like the uh, Resident Evil remakes. So they're looking to essentially take a lot of the, you know, newfangled stuff that they came up with during uh, the development of the series, stuff from uh, Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3, as well as, you know, current-gen hardware, and applying it to a full-on remake of the first game that would also reboot the franchise. So I love these games. They're fantastic. The rumor is also that that is being uh, put together by Motive Studios. If you're unfamiliar with that name, they worked on Star Wars squadrons from last year which was fantastic and i am i'm excited i'm always down for more dead space and maybe we'll be talking about dead space 2 and geektober who knows maybe geektober is gonna be alive and well in 2021 you never know you never know you just gotta listen and find out but i'm very excited about dead space cannot wait to get more info on this but the big video game news for me this week was that Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut was announced. I am over the mood about this. Uh, essentially, this is going to be a full-on uh, upgrade, you know, doing uh, graphical upgrades, technical upgrades. Uh, it's going to be released for both, both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, which is great. So if you have either of those consoles or both, you'll be able to enjoy this new version of the game. Uh, lots of graphical updates. It includes the Legends multiplayer. But y'all, okay, so two pieces of news from this that I'm very excited about. First off, it's something that I know bothered me and I'm sure bothered many people. We got lip sync for the Japanese audio, y'all. I am very, very excited about this. Uh, one big thing, a problem that I talked about, when I talked about this game, I did a whole when we did, I believe, the 2020 End of Year Awards, I talked about Ghost of Tsushima. It was my game of the year. But there was, you know, 
little things that bugged me, and one of them was that the Japanese audio did not sync to the lips of the characters. Well, they have fixed it for this, so for this next playthrough, when I get this, because you know I'm getting this. You already know I'm getting this. Um, for this next playthrough, for the director's cut, it's going to be all Japanese audio, possibly in the black and white filter. We'll see. We'll see how I feel when I start the game up. But we also got the news that there is going to be an expansion, a story expansion, new locations, new enemy types, new things to explore at the neighboring island of Iki. So during this period of time in real world history, at the same time that Tsushima was invaded by the Mongols, Iki, its neighboring island, was also invaded and this expansion is going to see our boy Jin Sakai heading over to Iki to become the new ghost of Ikishima. So I am over the moon about this. I'm very, very excited to learn more. Cannot wait to pick this up. And it's coming out around my birthday. So I'm very excited about that. Hopping over to TV news, two pieces of TV news real quick. Uh, first off, the uh, new Alien series has been uh, in development for, I believe, Hulu for a while. I think it's going to be on Hulu. Uh, Noah Hawley, the uh, showrunner for that, has revealed this past week that the Alien series won't feature Ripley, which makes sense. I mean, we're trying to tell new stories, so I get it. Uh, it is, you know, unfortunate because I know a lot of people, myself included, kind of associate Alien with that Ellen Ripley character, but I applaud them for trying to tell new stories, and I will still be checking it out regardless. And then we also got the rumor that Batwoman Season 3 will be introducing Renee Montoya into the mix. And if you know anything about Batwoman, you know that Renee Montoya is a very important character. And we might just get the question version of the character. So very, very excited to see what they do there. And then finally, in film news... We got lots of leaks uh, over the past week for Spider-Man No Way Home, the latest in the Spider-Man franchise, and something that's, you know, coming up real quick. It's coming up in uh, December, and we still don't have a any kind of trailer or anything like that, but uh, we got some leaks for merch and toys and, you know, different kind of merchandise. Um revealing some new costumes first off there's a pop figure of uh casual dr strange which i'm very excited about we all knew that dr strange was going to be part of this and it has been revealed that he is going to be a big part of this as well and then we got some uh marvel legends and funko pop toys to reveal as well as a lego set i believe that revealed spider-man's new costume and it is garbage like i just i can't get it's basically a recolored iron spider suit which was also always the worst costume in the mcu i i don't vibe with this at all it looks gross i posted up on twitter at that daring man like just a gif of just throwing garbage away like it's it's bad um there was a second costume that's like all black with gold webbing that i think looks much better but um yeah man i don't i don't know what to do i don't know what to to think about this this um integrated suit or whatever they're calling it and the pop figure with this like it's it's basically the iron spider but instead of the spider being black it's gold so there's like a bunch of gold and red and it's iron man again like what do you it's dumb um but the pop figure does reveal that it has some kind of wibbly wobbly um doctor strange magic-y stuff going with it so 
who knows, ma'am. This is the most information we've gotten on this film, and it comes out in less than a year. So it comes out in less than six months at this point. So I I don't know. Um, the reason that I was saying earlier that there might be some big news is that they're probably going to be dropping a trailer this week. They've been teasing it for a while, and now would be the perfect time since we already got all these you know, toy leaks and all this stuff. So if there is a trailer, if it's like mind-blowing enough, maybe I'll do an extra on it. Otherwise, I will probably cover it in next week's episode. So that wraps up this week's news. And speaking of comic books and Marvel Comics specifically, that is going to roll us right on into the main event of this episode, the main course, the entree, if you will, which is the first installment of Captain America Month a special star-spangled spotlight on Captain America, Man Out of Time. Captain America. I have been a big fan of his for as long as I can remember, and the idea behind the character has always fascinated me. It's this story of essentially like a Rip Van Winkle style character where he was a superhero of his time. He fell asleep and woke up in a strange new world. And I've always been fascinated with the story of not just Captain America as like a superhero, but of Steve Rogers. Like what happens to the guy who wakes up one day and finds out that his entire world is gone and he's just in this other place with these other people who are telling him that he has to move on with his life and forget about where he came from. And I've always wanted to explore that. And a lot of the Captain America stories that resonate with me are stories that touch upon that, are stories that talk about his loss, his loneliness. And there's a certain amount of resilience in Captain America as a character that I aspire to, you know, his his whole thing is essentially survive and adapt, survive and advance. You know, you got to take what you're given, make the best out of it and continue moving forward. And when he is, you know, woken up by the Avengers and told that he is, has essentially time traveled more or less, you know, he is visibly and understandably shaken. And then most times he ends up shaking it off pretty quickly and then he carries on you know as being the man out of time and he goes and continues on the fight for justice and i've always wondered what would happen if he tried to go back well that's the story that mark wade and george molina decided to tell with their 2010 graphic novel slash miniseries captain america man out of time and that is what we are doing for our latest edition of the geek explain spotlight where every month i take a look at a comic miniseries maxi series graphic novel or whatever and just tell you why i love it so much and this month since we are doing a full-on 
Captain America-centric month for the podcast, I have taken advantage of that to be able to tell you about one of my favorite Captain America stories by two of my favorite creators. Um, the thing about these two, Mark Wade and George Molina, is that they are uniquely suited to tell this story, right? Now, George Molina longtime artist. He's been around the block everywhere. Uh, he kind of started his whole tenure with Marvel doing one-shots and uh, doing what-if stories. For those of you who aren't aware, what-ifs are like Elseworlds, but for Marvel. And Eventually, he made his way into being the main artist for the Avengers The Initiative book, which post-Civil War was essentially this book where you saw registered heroes teaching the next generation, and so on and so forth. And he also had a fairly long stint on one of my favorite Marvel comics, one of my favorite X-Men comics, Wolverine and the X-Men. And so I have been a fan of George Molina for a very long time. And I've also been a fan of his co-creator on this book, that being Mark Wade. You know how much I love Mark Wade. You know how much I love his writing. You know how much I love his characters. You know how much I love his fandom just in general. I've said it before on the podcast. I'll say it again. Mark Wade is the biggest Superman fan in the world. If you think you're a bigger Superman fan, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Mark Wade is, in fact, the biggest Superman fan in the world, and I've always respected him for that. And alongside that, Mark Wade is in a uh, very unique, um, in a very unique place to tell a Captain America story because having that fandom of Superman, I think personally, gives you a different perspective on characters like Superman, like Captain America, so on and so forth. Now, Mark Wade was really interesting because he went from essentially, you know, comic book fan to comic book fame, where he was a fan of comics. He was part of a, uh, he was like the editor in chief of this like fan magazine, and. Eventually, he got his first shot at writing comic books through writing uh, on Action Comics number 572, and that's kind of how he broke into the industry, and he was a mainstay DC boy for a very long time, uh, doing runs on The Flash, one of my, might be my favorite Flash run of uh, of. All time, I think. Uh, he also did a run of Metamorpho. He did the Kingdom Come book. And then eventually he made his way over to Marvel during the Age of Apocalypse event. And following that, he got a long stint on Captain America. And that initial Mark Wade Captain America run is fantastic. Um, it's something that I would love to revisit at some point, And I think that that might be a fun... Uh, fun book club or maybe you know a spotlight all its own but his run got cut a little short due to heroes reborn onslaught all that stuff and post heroes reborn he got to finish out his run on the character before diving headfirst into a seminal run on fantastic four during all of this time as well he popped out one of my favorite superman comics of all time superman birthright and if you want to go back in the archives it's not too far but one of our uh, last couple spotlights was on superman birthright 
And my whole thing with that book, I love it so much. It is a classic year one style story that deals with loss, uh, alienation, loneliness, depression, as well as rising above all that to become a hero. And what Mark Wade carried from that story into this one is a lot of the same DNA. And maybe that's why I resonate with it so much. But the book itself was made because because uh, Captain America the First Avenger was coming out, and they wanted to fill the shelves with Captain America books so that when that film came out and it was, you know, an obvious hit, uh, fans who came, you know, flocking to the uh, comic book store would have something to read and something for comic book store employees to give to them. And what this book ended up becoming, not just, you know, another just another Captain America story with incredible art and wonderful writing, Mark Wade took what he learned from Superman Birthright and decided, I'm going to apply that to Captain America. And what I love about this book is something that you don't very often see with Captain America stories, in that this is, for all intents and purposes, modern Captain America year one. If you are looking for a Captain America Year One style story, look no further. This is the one for you. Also, gotta give the shout out. Covers by Brian Hitch. Incredible, incredible work on this. Brian Hitch is can be kind of hit or miss for me at times, depending on the subject matter and at what point in career he's drawing. <laughs> but uh, his covers for this are outstanding from start to finish. But this comic itself... Uh, kind of serving as a Captain America Year One was really unique in the fact that unlike Superman Birthright, which sought to told sought to tell a mostly unique story that hadn't been told before, while you know keeping the prompt of Superman Year One. By the end, he's Superman. Uh, this story takes classic stories from Captain America's past and gives them a new coat of paint. So it takes the appearances from you know his uh, his debut in Avengers number four or his re-debut in Avengers number four, some of his early missions with the Avengers, as well as a couple confrontations and conversations that he has in his you know early appearances with the Avengers in the 1960s, and recontextualizes them, reformats them, and fits them into the story to give you Steve Rogers, man, like. This story, you know, I mentioned it before, the story centers a lot around loneliness and nostalgia and the idea of the other, this person who is outside of everyone and feels it and feels the fact that they are different. And all those themes that were present in Superman Birthright are present in this story. Uh, I've talked about it before whenever I've covered, you know, the MCU Steve Rogers, and that's something that I think they did really right, was getting this sense of loneliness and depression that Chris Evans masterfully layered into that Steve Rogers character. And that is on full display in this book as well. Uh, we also leave or we also really enter this story alongside all of those themes of a man out of time, of a man having to come to this strange new land, of a man who is dealing with feeling alone, uh, being depressed, feeling you know like he doesn't fit any in anywhere, and also positing a question that I 
don't really see too often and that in general we don't really get too often with Captain America stories and after you know watching uh, Avengers Endgame I think is a question that people might be having on their minds following that story can he go back can he go back home again and so that's the question that this story sets out to answer and from there man this is a captain america story for the ages now uh it's a five issue miniseries so for those of you who are you know looking to get into comics but don't want to you know jump into the big old brubaker runs or something that's you know going to take you a while like a hickman uh comic book run this is five issues tells you everything you need to know about captain america uh reflavors some of the stuff that you might think that you you know have a good handle on and gives you so much in the way of steve rogers as an individual as a soldier and as a hero so cracking this thing open um the full on um uh credits for everybody i want to make sure i get this out because i don't i don't talk about it enough and it's um it's my bad. It's something that I am trying to work on, but the you know, it takes it takes a village to make a comic book, and so uh, just giving you the quick rundown here with the uh, with the credits on this book, uh, written by Mark Wade, pencils and breakdowns are by George Molina, inks and finishes by Carl Kessel with Scott Hanna for issue number three. Uh, the colorist is Frank Darmada, letterer is uh, Joe Sabino, cover art by Brian Hitch, Paul Neary, and uh, Paul Mounts. Associate editor was Lauren Sankovich, and the full editor was Tom Brevort. So. This book starts off in a very familiar place. This is the closing days of World War II. This is really funny to me because uh, we we see Steve and Bucky in you know their civilian guises. And for those of you who are more familiar with the uh, MCU versions of these characters, in the original comics, Bucky and Cap were superheroes, and Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes, or James Buchanan Barnes were secret identities. No one knew the identity of Captain America. It wasn't plastered all over the place that Steve Rogers was the man, you know, behind the mask and the shield. And so we get to see uh, Steve and Bucky watching one of those uh, old newsreels featuring uh, Cap storming a battlefield. And this comic does uh, something that I think uh, isn't shown enough and that I absolutely did love about the mcu version and showed that uh steve's an artist those of you who don't know he's a very accomplished uh sketch artist he's very good at drawing and we see you know he gets the nickname rembrandt rembrandt rogers in this book and they you know have this little kerfuffle with um i think his name is uh noonan this soldier who's a total meathead but idolizes captain america it's that classic peter parker flash thompson relationship and as they're you know kind of talking back and forth about you know oh what are you gonna do when the war's over steve doesn't have an answer for that and he's just like you know you know you just keep your head down you keep going to the next mission so on and so forth and as the two are brought to a um or brought on a brand new mission the two of them have this you know exchange where bucky talks about what he's going to do after the after the war he might run for president he might you know he really wants to be a forest ranger and steve is again 
unsure. He says, uh, let's see here. He says, I never went three miles outside Brooklyn until I shipped out. You're the traveler. I'm surprised you didn't see any of that growing up. And, you know, we get the sense that Steve has, you know, he's led kind of a sheltered life up until the point that he became Captain America. And he says, if my country wants me to keep serving, I'll serve, but they might not. Seriously, what purpose does Captain America serve outside of combat? I wouldn't be surprised if they took the suit and shield and sent me home with every other soldier. And Bucky reassures him. He's basically like, look, like, you're hilarious because even without the shield, even without the suit, you're Steve Rogers. You're Captain America, and that doesn't change. So the two of them get to have this nice little moment before they uh, ship out and... Bucky, you know, once again, broaches the subject. He's like, so I ask you, what is it, you know, is that what you want? And Steve just says, I'll do whatever needs doing. And Bucky says, uh, you have been running a mile a minute since they shot you up the suit with super soldier serum. There is not an American alive who doesn't owe you and me a thousand times over. So what do you want? And Steve just says, I just want to sleep. And that's really the last time that they get to have any kind of meaningful conversation because we essentially jump cut straight to the experimental plane, you know, lifting off to go and bomb the U.S. and Bucky and Cap jumping onto the plane to try and disable it. Plane explodes. We know the whole story. Bucky is presumed dead and Steve is tossed into the ocean. And the art from here is, I mean, the art, up to this point, it's been fantastic too. But you get this sense of uh, of uh, nostalgia and time passing because there's this great full-page spread of the plane exploding. It's from Steve's perspective as he's falling. His hand is outstretched. And you turn the page, and now it's Steve's outstretched arm once again, but now he's got the Avengers staring him down. And you see him... For the rest of this issue, he is the only one in color. Everyone else is this, like, dulled out, almost sepia tone or black and white. And Steve, it's really just like a he blinks and he's suddenly, you know, decades ahead in time. Uh, the Avengers, you know, let him know what's going on. Uh, they're in a submarine. And by the way, the Avengers roster at this point is the classic Avengers roster, including Iron Man, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Thor. And so Steve is just immediately back in soldier mode. He starts from here and kind of goes on throughout the book, basically this uh, this war journal slash like mission report. So all of his like um, thought bubbles start from Captain America to General Simon, Army Intelligence, Protocol Recon Report. And so all of... I love the framing of this because as a soldier, this is what you would do. This is him processing everything. And as the, you know, the issue goes on, he, you know, he sees himself in what is then, you know, modern day, um, modern day New York. But what I also love and a quick shout out to Melina and the rest of the art team as well, is that they do such a great job at taking these costumes, which were in the 60s and he doesn't update them he doesn't change them they are still the 60s avengers designs so iron man's got the you know the pointy mask thor still has the winged helmet ant-man and the wasp have their classic costumes or i guess giant man at this point and so 
he still finds a way to make it feel like it's modern and that it is still going, you know, that it, these costumes are from another time, but they just feel out of the ordinary because they're superheroes, not because they look out of place in modern, you know, alongside modern characters. And Steve, you know, exits the submarine. He goes on a little jaunt throughout New York because the Avengers have suddenly disappeared. And he goes and stops this mugging, right? Where these these guys are mugging this girl. He fights them off because he's a hero, and that's what he do. But after um, after disabling these guys, he goes to talk to the girl, and she, you know, reaches into her jacket, and as she does, these you know these drugs fall out. So she was a drug runner of some sort, and she shoots him. And so the first issue. Uh, ends with Steve bleeding out in an alleyway in modern-day New York. A far cry from his uh, from the beginning and where he started in this story. Um, as the second issue carries on and as we carry on with his um, with his story, from there we get to see him adapting to this uh, to this world you know he finds out that oh you know the brooklyn dodgers are now the los angeles dodgers and the world continues to be this nearly like black and white almost uh uh uh, presentation and as he starts to kind of realize like you know what's come to he starts to get normalized with everything uh the color starts to pop back into him and the black and white now becomes his flashes to his time to his familiarity and when a certain young man named rick jones runs up to him trying to find his friends the avengers cap thinks he's bucky you know they uh in the original story, they all they play with the idea that Rick Jones looks exactly like Bucky, almost eerily so. But here, Rick Jones looks nothing like Bucky, but Cap is still dealing with his trauma. And you can see him processing it throughout the story. Uh, he gets to you know, adjust, and he gets to um, deal with this in his own way. At a certain point, he's like, oh, I'm dreaming. Like, that's why this is all so strange. This is a dream. You're all a dream. I'm imagining this. And, you know, he makes a little display out in Times Square. He pals up with Rick because the two of them need to find out, you know, what happened to the Avengers. And just like in the original, you know, Avengers number four, uh, Cap tracks down this alien who had used this device to um, freeze the Avengers and turn them to stone. And so he's... uh, He's able to turn them back and able to save the Avengers and whatnot. But we also get the first blow to him as a person when he realizes that uh, FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, died before the end of World War II. And he says, you know, he was our leader. He got us through the war to end all wars. And he didn't live to see it. And this whole thing, this whole um, disassociative, you know... um, disorder that he's kind of exhibiting that he's like i'm not in my right mind i'm not in my right place i'm seeing people who aren't who i think they are he kind of comes to grips with it he comes to realize that this is my life now i'm here i'm not on the battlefield anymore i'm over half a century into the future and i now need to find a way back so 
Issue three might be my favorite issue in the story. Um, issue three, I mean, first off, starts off with this incredible, uh, <laughs> this incredible full page spread where this like almost demonic looking Iron Man is staring at Steve Rogers and the reflection of Steve's face in his mask is horrifying. Um, but we see that throughout this, uh, throughout this issue, we get Steve Rogers dealing with the modern day. This isn't, you know, um, him, you know, immediately going on missions with the Avengers and like doing all this stuff. This is kind of akin to um, to Fraction and um, Fraction and Aja's Hawkeye, where a lot of this story is about the moments between the missions, especially this issue, and we get to see. Uh, Steve Rogers' loneliness and the hints of his depression right at the forefront. They're not pushed away to go bombastic because there are, you know, gigantic action set pieces throughout this, but the focus of the story is not that. The focus of the story is Steve Rogers, is the man who is out of time, as the title, uh, as the title suggests. And you know, he's doing tests to make sure everything's copacetic. He's working with, you know, uh, working with Tony and Hank Pym. And he is convinced that he can go back. He's like, he says, uh, let's say you're right. Let's say this is a time paradox, but our bodies were never found. That means I save Bucky and we go underground. Disguise ourselves, take new identities, love the rest of our natural lives outside the history books. We'll become hobos if we have to. I don't care. Small price. Cap is of the idea, and in that, the reader, if you didn't know any better, could get the idea that this is a classic time travel story. Eventually, he's going to go back. He's in this strange place, but eventually, he's going to get the tools to get back and get home. And so, um, you know, Tony and Hank are both like this, you know, you're not going to be able to figure this out. And he says, you know, I appreciate your concerns and all that the Avengers have done for me these past few days, but I don't take orders from you. Bucky just, Bucky wasn't just my partner. He was my best friend and I will save him. You can't seriously expect me to ignore the opportunity. And this is, if any comic ever has, this comic absolutely sells the friendship between, uh, between Steve and Bucky, the brotherhood between them. And he is fully intent on getting home. And so Iron Man says at one point, he's like, you can thank Stark yourself for his help. He's asked you to join him personally. And this is of the time. And I love this, um, where in the comics, uh, it was not public knowledge that Tony Stark and Iron Man were one and the same. The secret identity is a lost art at this point. There are so many people who are just like, yeah, secret identities, like, you know, I'm going public. And in that, I think I feel like people fundamentally, fundamentally forget the reason that there are secret identities. Um, Joe Schuster, uh, Jerry Siegel, they created a secret identity for Superman because they not only wanted to give him, you know, other stuff to do besides going around and punching people, but they wanted to give the average everyday comic book reader the idea that even the most ordinary person can be extraordinary underneath. And the idea that 
you know, people are getting rid of secret identities now because, ah, you know, secret identities are boring. Like, no one would ever figure out, you know, what, you know, or everyone would always figure out what their secret identities are. It's like, that's not the point, dude. Like, is it unrealistic? Yeah. It's also a world where there are gods and flying creatures and sun people powered by the sun saving the day. Like... That the idea that there is a secret identity system that works isn't the most fantastical part of a superhero comic. And the idea that people want to get rid of, especially certain comic writers, want to get rid of secret identities because they don't quote unquote work, fundamentally forget the reason why they were put there in the first place. They were meant to give hope to, you know, these oppressed comic book readers and kids who might feel bullied and are taking solace in these fantastical stories to let them know, hey, yeah, you may be as ordinary as it comes, but there is something extraordinary underneath you. You just have to find it. And I don't know. I just, that's not even taking, you know, taking some time away from this story. Um, I always, I, I feel very strongly about secret identities and, um, that's just who I am. But back to the story, uh, in this, uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man are not one in the same when it comes to public perception. Uh, Iron Man is essentially Tony Stark's bodyguard. So he's under the employ of Tony Stark. And so he, Tony is taking Steve out for a night on the town. Uh, the two of them are enjoying some uh, modern music, Radiohead, uh, specifically is the band. And um, the two of them have this conversation about, you know, looking forward, about doing um, what you can here and now instead of trying to get back. And he talks about, you know, all the advances that we've made since then. He talks about the Berlin Wall. He talks about the technological advances, musical advances, you know, saying that there are all these things. And he takes him to the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, constructed in 1976. Uh, this was a place that Tony spent a lot of time uh, as a kid. And so he shows him all the advances that they'd made since Steve went under the ice. And what I love about this too, is that Steve is just fully carrying the shield around with him strapped to his back in civilian clothes. I love it. So it's so dumb. And so comic booky. Imagine that comic booky ideas in a comic book, huh? But uh, Tony shows him the stuff about, you know, the moon landing. He shows him this, you know, high, high speed jet. He shows him these space shuttles. He talks about, you know, the, um, I believe he talks about, let me see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, he talks about the, uh, the shuttle that exploded in, uh, 1986, you know, um, all of these, you know, scientific and technological advances that they've made. And he's just like, you know, I get it. Like, the tech stuff is really exciting. But the coolest thing to me is that, you know, society itself has changed. He says the freedom of the people, all people, regardless of their race or gender, that's what I can't get enough of. And he says, introduce me to the man who brought that about. And so... Tony shows him some footage of Martin Luther King giving his I Have a Dream speech. And Steve is inspired. You can tell how much this means to him because he is someone who, you know, was, you know, fighting a war and not sure if he was going to see the world after. And now that he's there, 
you know, he longs for going back. But now seeing that the world did get better afterwards, that they won, and not only that, but the world was thriving without him is a huge, you know, moment for him and then tony finishes off the tour with the captain america and bucky exhibit showing you know not just that they their sacrifices and their efforts were honored but that people carried on the mantle in the years following uh which is a big old retcon that comics introduced after uh cap came out of the ice and it's one of my favorite retcons that i don't think uh, is talked about enough or is utilized enough in adaptation uh, I wish we had gotten more stories about these replacement Captain Americas. But uh, Cap basically finds out that other men took up a version of the shield, a version of his costume in the years following, fighting against communists, fighting against social inequality, all of this stuff. And Cap, you know, right in the middle of this exhibit, like, undresses himself, revealing his uniform underneath. And he says, um, I should be thanking you. It's like, do you know who my immediate commanding officer is in this day and age? No, neither do I. I'm not even sure who to ask. But assuming the president is still commander-in-chief of the armed forces, then what, the one man I know for then I then the one man I know for a fact can accept my resignation is just up the street. And Tony's like, whoa, wait, did I like offend you? Like, what happened? Like, what's what's wrong? And he's like, you did me a favor. You showed me that others can carry this shield and do it justice and that Steve Rogers can go home with a clear conscience. And it's not at all what Tony was trying to do. But Cap says, you know, check the exhibit. My tour duty is Cap is already finished. This just makes it official. And so Tony says, you know, Look, meet me afterward. I'll call ahead to the president for you. And we get this scene. And it is one of my favorite Captain America scenes. Not just because they have very clearly uh, put the most ambiguous Barack Obama in this story. Um, they shadow his face and his identity to make the uh, make the comic age better. But it's very clearly Barack Obama. Um, this comic came out in 2010, you know, right in the middle of his first term. So like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but they have this conversation where, uh, you know, president's been briefed. He talks to cap and cap's basically saying like, look, I need you to allow me to resign so I can try and go home. And, you know, the president, you know, says, I want you to stay. He says, I, I'm aware the world seems like science fiction to you, but I can offer the full support of this office in making what I'm sure seems like a daunting transition. And he talks about, you know, the Avengers and, you know, being part of this. And Cap's like, look, I get it. Thank you so much. I'm just, I just want to go home. And he says, the president does, he says, I get that. If I were in your place, I'd feel the same way. That's what makes this so hard. Captain, I can't have you going back. And he drops the bomb on Steve. And he says, it's not your fault. It's not anything you or anyone has done. But think about it. Even before Tony gave you tonight's civics lesson, you'd already seen and heard things that could change history. While you were on your way over, I conferred with Dr. Richards about this. Because Steve's been talking to Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four about this experimental time platform that Reed's been working on that could provide him a way home. And he says, reluctantly, he had to admit that the way he's proposing to help is so untried that the hazards outweigh the benefits. A headline, a technology, even a name, anything you might reveal back in 1945, however accidentally, could have unimaginable repercussions on the here and now. It's a matter of national security. Do you understand? 
you know too much and steve pleads with him he's like come on like this is all i need and he says you know i promise you that the day i'm confident it can safely do what you're asking of it we will send you home but until then i need you here soldier that's an order and steve just he closes his eyes he gives him a salute and he heads out and the next sequence here it's this two-page sequence where afterwards tony's calling the president and he's like you know how'd he take it president says how would you he's been under discreet observation since he walked out i've ordered my men to back off and give him his space but if his mood should turn and if again if this is your first comic if you don't know anything about you know the avengers or captain america or iron man this is also a great reveal a subtle reveal that Tony is Iron Man because we see Tony look down in the suitcase and you see the Iron Man armor. And he says, don't worry about that, sir. Iron Man will keep a close eye on him. That I guarantee. And that's why one of, that's why this is a comic that I would absolutely recommend to new comic book readers who don't know any better. So freaking good. Um, And then he says, as for what happens next, I'm afraid I'm at a loss. And then it cuts over this silent full page spread of Captain America sobbing at the feet of the Lincoln Monument. It is heartbreaking because he can't go home oh man such a good such a good comic man and this really again gets to the heart of this idea of the other of cap being this person who is seemingly not you know he's not able to go home he doesn't fit in here and he is stuck in this life that he didn't ask for that he didn't choose you know being thrust this far and now the person who is his commanding officer, who is the one person who could give him, you know, the clearance and give him the uh, cleared conscience to be able to leave, won't give him that satisfaction. And so the next issue, uh, chapter four, kicks off with Cap walking through a cemetery. In fact, it's the uh, Arlington National Cemetery, and he's greeted by Thor. It's a cemetery, it's in the rain, it's at night, you know, classic you know uh fiction storytelling and so he you know cap reveals that he's going through all of the uh gravestones of the soldiers who died in the wars that he couldn't be a part of and he is doing what he has to to try and continue on and thor basically tells him like look i get it man all of your lives are basically like minutes on a on a clock to me like i have seen more people die than i care to admit and i have to keep going and i'm disappointed in you because you are stronger and he's like you know i am he says i'm not the only one capable of losing perspective he says uh this is very asgardian text so i gotta make sure i'm getting it right he says from from all thou hast said of this lad Bucky, he died the most exalted of deaths, a hero's, in combat most, no- most noble, the dream of all true warriors of any realm, for the reward it brings. Now, because of his selfless valor, James Barnes strides the eternal halls of Great Valhalla, where the brave live forever in revelry and celebration. Thou wouldst begrudge that of a brother-in-arms." Thou wouldst deny him the greatest heaven imaginable in exchange for a few fleeting years of mortality? I do sympathize o'er thy thy loss, Captain. Ugh, that is guardian. But have care not to wallow wallow amidst self-pity. Tis no way to honor thy friend. And, man, 
Um, we see over the course of the next few pages, uh, Steve is trying to connect with anyone who's left. Meanwhile, you know, it's cutting to missions that he's taking or he's undertaking with the Avengers, doing stuff, fighting against the Masters of Evil, fighting against these, you know, these volcano creatures. But as time goes on, like, the focus is not on that. The focus is on him trying to connect with other people. And finally, he finds the one person who is still alive, and that is General Jacob Simon. A direct homage to Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, the two creators of Captain America. I love it. And he is this very old man laid up in a nursing home. And the two of them are able to grow this friendship uh, over the fact that both of them are kind of the only two left. And he's, you know, teaching him about the world, teaching him about the game. You know, he still has this signed photo from Cap from back in the day, which is going to be important. And so the two of them grow this relationship during all of these missions where Cap is dealing with how much the world has changed. And after, you know, a certain amount of time... Uh, while they're playing chess at one point, he's like, you say Stark showed you the eye of a dream speech. And, he, and Steve's like, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And he says, it was. It moved, an, it moved a nation. Did he tell you what happened to the man who gave it? And Steve reveals, no, he didn't. And that's when he gets the horrible truth as he has been you know, learning about this world is that the world is much darker than the world that he left. It's much more uh, morally gray than the kind of strict black and white of World War II. And he ends the issue at the bedside of General Simon, who has sadly passed away. And his caretaker gives him uh, the framed photo of Cap with his autograph and everything. And he's like, you know, you know, thank you for visiting him so often. And he says, you know, I only did what I could. You're the one who took care of him. Thank you. You know, the facility is lucky to have you. And she says, oh, I'm a private nurse and I was hired by the general. They're fully staffed up here. And Steve, and they have this conversation about like, where, what are you going to do next? Where are you going to go? And she says, well, I need to get a job or else I'm, you know, going to be sent back because of the immigration law. She says, I do some cleaning work, but that's, you know, that's under the table. It's unofficial. And they have this heartbreaking exchange where she says, there is family. We hadn't much money, but the countryside is beautiful and I'm loved there. I do miss it. Talking about her home country. And he says, and yet you're willing to scrub toilets to stay here. And she says, it is America. And, you know, leaves. And it's, it's sad because this, oh man, this cab pulls up and you think it's for her and she walks by it. She has to leave on foot and Cap gets to ride in the cab. And it's a not so subtle yet not incredibly in your face uh, way of telling the story of just how much inequality there is in this nation that Steve Rogers now represents. And again, incredible commentary um i wish there was more commentary on it but you know i think that for for the story that it's telling it's great and steve gets back from you know this incredibly sad scene to find that uh the avengers are heading off to their next mission involving this new villain called kang 
Enter Kang the Conqueror, who is completely just on another level. He's out of the Avengers League, and he is, you know, there to conquer the world because he has conquered everything in his timeline, and he's decided to come do the same here. And so he is fighting against the Avengers, defeating them fairly handily, and is able to subdue them and throw them into prison cells on his gigantic ship. Cap is able to escape, however, continues the fight against uh, Kang, and Kang recognizes that you're not from this time either. And so he's like, okay, cool, I'm done with you, you're out of here, bye. And after this bright flash of light, Cap finds himself back in 1945 on the day the war ended. So we get this final chapter where Steve's back home. He's back home in Brooklyn in 1945, going to watch a baseball game, and he feels off. It's not really said how much time he spent in the future, but you can assume that with all the adventures he went on with the Avengers and everything, it's been a considerable amount of time, and now he's back. It's everything he ever wanted, and it still feels off. Um, There's a moment where he's at this baseball game and he goes to sit next to uh, this dad and his son and they're African-American and he sits down with them. He's like, oh, mind if I sit here? And the dad's like, hey, we we can get up if you'd like. And he's like, no, you got the perfect view. Like, it's cool. Like, we're because he spent so much time in the future where, you know, while far from perfect, um, the racial inequality is better than it is at this point in time in his in american history and you know the he has this conversation with his dad and his son and his son's like oh yeah you know i love baseball and he's like hey you want to grow up to be a dodger and his dad's basically like he says uh, mister don't fill his head with nonsense like that we both know that 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 there's a white man's club come along jeff let's find some place to sit where no one's going to tease you and this guy takes it as like this you know ridiculous guy is like making fun of his son's dreams and it's incredibly sad because steve's like no no no, no. i was i was i just it's it's you know he he's at a loss for words and he even says he's like no no no, i you don't understand there'll come a time and the guy leaves and he's like if he likes los angeles that is you know referencing again you know los angeles dodgers and whatnot And just as we saw in the beginning of this story where Steve was the only, um, was the only person who was uh, rendered in full color while everyone else was black and white, the longer he spends in the past, the more time or the more it becomes black and white or sepia toned. And he even tries to connect with Joe Simon with, uh, or with Jack, Jacob Simon, Jack Simon, General Simon, Uh, while he's still a young man but he can't bring himself to talk to him and so meanwhile you know the avengers are still you know essentially freedom fighters against kang who is in the midst of taking over the world back in 1945 cap is you know sitting at this diner having a sandwich and reading about you know the invaders you know are on their way home and it's like he looks at them and he's like 
that's not us. Like, it's very clearly, he's, he says, uh, didn't take them long to replace us. And then he is greeted by Noonan, the man who was giving them some grief at the beginning of the story. He's like, yo, like, I, I didn't know if you made it or not. Like, we're back. Hey, man, where's your buddy? And Steve's just like, he didn't make it. He's like, ah, oh, sorry, man. I'm sorry. And the two of them have this conversation where it's, it's, uh, I don't know what it's double speak where Steve is being honest about like, you know, I went to this place. I thought it was strange. All I wanted to do was, was to get back. And now I'm here and I don't feel like I fit in here either. Noonan thinks he's talking about the war. Steve is talking about the future and he's, you know, Noonan says, uh, let's see here. Uh, he says, uh, we fought the good fight and the job is done. And Steve says, it's not that simple for me. I have, I had these friends, and the last time I saw them, they were in trouble. And he's like, were they anything like that Barnes kid? He was pretty scrappy. And Steve says, funny, I was about to say no at all. Or I was about to say not at all, but yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Maybe that's why I can't let go. I couldn't help Bucky, and now I failed them too. And we get this, it's almost this epiphany for Steve that, like, regardless of whether he intended to or not, he developed real friendships with these people and he focused so much on his past that he let it get a get in the way of his present and i mean at this point in his future and so noonan says you know oh, i gotta get out of here um he says i don't know what you mean by failed him but if it's that important there's nothing you can do and he says they're too far from here there's no way on earth to get to them and he says well you know what captain america says rogers there's always a way and steve it hits Steve like a ton of bricks. And so he's sitting in his room. The only thing from future tech that he has is his uh, Avengers ID card. And he's like, not always, Noonan. Not this time. And he gets this realization. Meanwhile, back at Avengers Mansion in the present, Rick Jones is like, I'm getting like this beeping. There's something coming from, you know, this emergency signal coming from inside the mansion and him and Jarvis, who is a real person in the comics, uh, run up to a capsuled room in the, in the Avengers mansion. And Steve, you know, it's cutting back very quickly between the two of them where he's like, you know, Rick, if you're reading this letter, there's still a chance, you know, Stark said the identic cards are fully programmable with a lifelong battery. So I'm putting that to the test. I've set mine to alert you on the day Kang arrives. I need you to find this letter. Um, he says, so I'm hiding it inside the one thing I know for a fact will still be there in your time. And we see Steve in his Captain America costume infiltrating this army base and in the office of General Jacob Simon, where he slips his Avengers ID card with a note inside of the framed photo of himself that in the future, Jacob would give back to him and he would have in his room. Just excellent comic book time travel storytelling i love it so much it is amazing i oh i love it it's so good um and once again you know jack kirby and joe simon are the key to his salvation so uh shortly after this this you know door opens up and out steps reed richards who's like hey soldier heard you need a lift hop on board and the two of them head back into the present and through um reuniting with the avengers as well as you know being helped out by the fantastic four they're able to defeat kang and make their way back and they defeat him they send him running he you know goes back to the future and the avengers name steve rogers 
their field commander officially the leader of the avengers and so we get this nice closing moment where um steve is you know giving this monologue that starts off just like the other uh thought bubbles or the other narration uh the other narration boxes throughout the story where it's like from captain america to command and then it ends and you see him strike those out and he writes personal journal and we see him at the grand canyon and i probably should have mentioned this before but at the beginning of the story when he was having that conversation with bucky he's like you know what are you going to do when you're out of here and bucky says i've always wanted to see the grand canyon i've never seen it i've heard these amazing things and the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to go see the grand canyon and as we know he was never a, a he was never able to make it there and so we see steve backpacking through the grand canyon and it says personal journal Maybe they were just trying to be kind, or they were caught up in the thrill of victory. As the subsequent weeks have proved, it doesn't matter. Once I started acting like a captain, I finally became part of the team. Sometimes all you can do is step into a role and be patient while it molds itself around you. Uh, This is also interspersed with uh, shots of the Avengers working as a team and fighting against villains. And he says, adapting to circumstances its own peril. Or is, is, yeah, is its own skill. As General Patton once told me to a, a good soldier, there's no such thing as unfamiliar territory. You either plan where you're going or you make the terrain your own the second your boots touch the ground. Patton, of course, had the luxury of marching into the future one day at a time, but he wasn't wrong. It's tempting to want to live in the past. It's familiar. It's comfortable. But it's where fossils come from. And we see that he's drawn Bucky and he shows... And he, you know, faces the drawing out into the sky to finally give Bucky that view of the Grand Canyon in the night sky. And he says, you know, my job is to make tomorrow's world better. Always has been. Once, long ago, I asked Bucky what purpose Captain America served outside of combat. It was a foolish question. There will always be something worth... There will always be something to fight for. And I'll always be a soldier showing that at the same time that this is happening he's also setting aside his bing crosby album for a album from radiohead specifically kid a and with that steve has made the transition you know we always you know i talked about earlier uh how i always kind of get used to and a lot of cap stories talk about like oh he you know he thought out he immediately went to work well i've always wanted to know the story of like how he got there because he's a human being regardless of like all the you know super extraneous you know uh circumstances around him at the end of the day he's still a human being who you know thinks and feels and goes through these tough times and you just you want it you want to see him succeed and that's what i love about this book you know talking about his you know him feeling like a man out of time in both the past and the future and him wanting to find his place in the world and him finally finding it you know the road is long this is not the end of his story as we would come to find out of course Bucky would come back and there would be more stories on top of that but for now for this almost year one story for Steve Rogers he's found himself he's found you know his purpose he's found his place in the you know in this strange new land and he finds himself not a man out of time but 
for the world around him and the threats that it faces the right man at the right time. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comiXology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, it was another tie. I know I'm, it's becoming a habit, but there were so many good books. And the two that really caught my heart and my eye and my mind all at once was the United States of Captain America number one appropriately as well as the Green Arrow 80th anniversary 100 page spectacular both were incredible um the start of this new United States of Captain America story was everything that I wanted it to be and more. We got the debut of Aaron Fisher as well. He's fantastic. And the Green Arrow celebration was everything I could have wanted. I love that character. And I love his supporting cast. Such a good book. Pick up both of those books if you haven't yet. You will not be disappointed. But that's last week's books. We've got to take a look back at this week's books. So we've got, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, wait, three, four, eight. We've got 10 books once again. So we're keeping a little, uh, little uh, streak going on here. Going to kick things off with Crime Syndicate number five. This is written by Andy Schmidt with art by Brian Hitch and Kieran McKeown. And this, this book's been really good, I think. It is a, if you are unfamiliar with the Crime Syndicate, this is a perfect primer for you. And I think I'm really liking where it's going. I'm interested to see how they wrap it up. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Crime Syndicate crosses the line for the last time and Alexander Luthor demands justice. Earth-3's Luthor, Savannah, Venus, Power Tower, Red Hood, Lonar, and Thal Sinestro band together to form the Legion of Justice and defend their world at all costs. Will the looming threat of the Legion stand in the way of Owlman, Superwoman, and Ultraman's quest for global takeover? It all builds to a cliffhanger that will leave you on the edge of your seat. Question of the month, who is Luthor's secret weapon? Plus, witness the origin story of Johnny Quick. So that's exciting. We get a little uh, little sneak preview into some kind of uh, nuclear option for Luthor against the crime syndicate. Next up, we have Batman number 110. This is written by James Tynan IV with art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz and George Jimenez. This is continuing on the... Uh, Batman versus the Peacemakers, or at least the Peacemaker singular, Peacemaker 01. They're about to have a big old throwdown, and I'm very excited to check that out. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Cowardly Lot, Part 5, Slash Ghostmaker, Chapter 4. Batman's bloody, no-holds-barred fight with the Magistrate Enforcer, Peacekeeper 01, rages on in epic fashion. Simon Saint's master plan comes to fruition as his Magistrate program makes its move on Gotham City, and things are about to heat up, not in a good way. Plus, the instigator versus Ghostmaker in a Kung Fu showdown. Need we say more? So, I'll be honest, I, I've been kind of skimming. <laughs> um, the Ghostmaker backups because I'm not 
super interested in the character, but I've been really enjoying the art. The art's very good. Next up, we have a sentimental favorite of mine, a brand new number one that I'm very excited about, and that is Justice League Infinity number one, written by J.M. DeMatteis and James Tucker with art by Ethan Beavers and a beautiful cover by Francis Manipal. This is continuing on the JLU cartoon. The Justice League Unlimited cartoon is getting a revival in comic form. We kind of knew this was coming. I covered the announcement in uh, a new segment a while back, and with the success of Batman The Avengers Continue, it was only a matter of time before we got here. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. From Justice League Unlimited producer James Tucker and series writer J.M.D. Matias comes an all-new season starring the world's greatest heroes. There is a being wandering the universe searching for its true purpose, but what it finds out on the farthest edges of the cosmos will change not just our universe, but many. Meanwhile, the war for the throne of Apocalypse arrives on Earth, and the true ruler will only be decided one way. Who can destroy the Justice League? So that sounds really dope. Very excited to check that out. Next up, we have Suicide Squad number five. This is written by Robbie Thompson with art by Dexter Soy. And I've been enjoying Suicide Squad a lot actually. Um, This is a very interesting cover as well. I won't spoil it for you, but I am super into the idea of a multiversal suicide squad. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. After the disastrous mission at Titans Academy and an ill-fated confrontation with Red X, Task Force X looks into the multiverse for its next recruits under Amanda Waller. Assigned to investigate the status of Earth-3, the team's field leader, Peacemaker, begins to question what Waller plans to do with her ultimate suicide squad as the deadly blood sport takes charge. So it kind of sounds like there's going to be two different perspectives, one of Peacemaker going to Earth-3 and the other of Bloodsport leading the current squad. So I'm very interested. Super looking forward to picking this up. Next up, we have Firepower, number 13, written by Robert Kirkman with art by Chris Somney. You know how much I love this book. I love this cover. I love this book. I love these characters. Need I say more? Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Chow Fang has been defeated, and Wei Lun has has retaken control of the Temple of the Flaming Fist. Owen Johnson is now able to return home to his life in St. Louis, where everything has gone back to normal. Right? No? Oh no. What now? So that sounds fun, and that's something that I really um, wanted to have from the initial book, is these ridiculous situations in a suburban um, environment, and I think that that is seemingly what we're going to be getting to now that Owen has settled up his affairs with the Scorched Earth clan, so looking forward to seeing where they go next with this book for sure. Next up, we have Wonder Girl number two. This is written and illustrated by Joe L. Jones, and you know how much I love this book. I really dig Yara Flor as a character. I think she is one of the I mean, she really is the biggest success coming out of Future State and really is the whole reason that that um, that I think personally that those uh, stories are getting as much uh, love as they are or got as much attention as they were alongside the new Batman. And I like this origin story for her. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
After receiving a sacred gift from the gods of Brazil, our hero seems destined for great things. Little does she know another pantheon has been watching her as well. Hera, queen of the Greek gods, has chosen Yara to become her latest champion. But what need does the goddess have for a warrior of her own? Find out in the stirring second issue. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It feels like Wonder Girl number one was like months ago. So I'm excited to continue Yara's story. Cannot wait to pick this up. Next up, we have The Good Asian number three, written, of course, by Pornsock Pichetshout and art by Alexandra Tefenki. I absolutely love this book. If there is a non-Big 2 book that you should be picking up. It is this one, besides Firepower, of course. But I love this. The noir tale with Asian leads dealing with San Francisco and all of just... Oh, it's so good. It's so freaking good. Read this book. But anyway, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The surprises really begin as Hawk encounters Lucy Fong's completely different perspective on Chinatown, one pivotal to stopping the Hatchet Man on the loose. So as we get further into this world and learn more about these characters, we are going to be getting even more amazing characters besides our boy Edison Hark. I cannot wait to meet more of these characters. This is going to be a great time. Next up, we have Captain America number 30. This is the final issue for the Ta-Nehisi Coates Captain America run. I am going to... Um, I'm probably going to do a full reread on this once it's all wrapped because I'm very interested to see how it reads all together. Um, I think, you know, oh, by the way, art, of course, by Leonard Kirk as well. But I'm, I don't know if this book completely accomplished what it needed to. However, I think it's still a solid Captain America run by one of our greatest comic book writers who is currently working. So very much looking forward to this book and a big old finale. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. All Die Young finale. The final issue of Tanahasi Coates' landmark run, All Die Young, ends here. Tanahasi Coates concludes his run on Captain America with an all-out fight to the finish with the Red Skull and the Power Elite. So everything's been, you know, heading to this. Everything has been culminating for this moment. Cannot wait to pick up this book. I am very interested to see where it leaves Captain America and the rest of his team following this. Next up, we have Green Lantern number four. This is written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci. I've been loving Green Lantern. Joe Moline is my girl. And now that we don't have a Far Sector book anymore, for now, uh, this is where you're going to get your Joe Moline fix. And I have been really actually enjoying it. I didn't know if I was going to love it when I picked up that first issue, but I am super intrigued with everything that they've been doing. And and I can't wait to pick this book up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Improve. Adapt. Overcome. The same lessons Jon Stewart learned in the Marine Corps helped him begin his quest to find the other lost lanterns in the dark sectors of space. Meanwhile, Back on Oa, one of the Corps' newest members, Joe Mullane, alongside Young Justice's Teen Lantern and Simon Baz, tends to the wounded and investigates who or what caused the source of all Green Lantern's power to go nuclear and wipe out the Corps. 
I love a murder mystery. I love a behind enemy lines story. I love a noir detective story. I am very excited to pick up this book. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is, of course, X-Men number one. Written by Jerry Duggan, art by Pepe Larraz, this is the landmark book of the next age for the X titles. This is the beginning of Reign of X. This is where everything, uh, we get the, we might get the fallout from the Hellfire Gala. A couple people died. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, this is going to be a big one and you are going to want to pick this up because a year, you know, two years from now, you are going to be kicking yourself if you miss out on this first issue. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. These X-Men are fearless. The heroes of Krakoa are here to save the planet. Things might be complicated between the nation of Krakoa and the rest of the world, but to the X-Men, things are simple. You do what's right, you protect those who need protecting, and you save the world we all share. Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Sunfire, Rogue, Wolverine, Sink, and Polaris are the chosen champions of mutant kind, and they will not shrink from any battle for their home planet. Writer Jerry Duggan reteams with superstar artist Pepe Larraz to chart the course of the X-Men in a world of the reign of X. Ah, love it so much. Super, super excited to check this out. Cannot wait to start off this new X-Men run. But that is going to wrap up this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Crime Syndicate number 5, Batman number 110, Justice League Infinity number 1, Suicide Squad number 5, Firepower number 13, Wonder Girl number 2, The Good Asian number 3, Captain America number 30, Green Lantern number 4, and X-Men number 1. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, they really help me out, really helps the podcast out in this weird algorithm space that we have to navigate and kind of raises the stock of Geeksplained up and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can join the likes of our Mighty Nine, including ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88 Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, Brian, Mouth Dork, and Dallas Meeks. I want to say a big thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. And if you Want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag? If you have a question for me, you want to get my opinion on something, a quick pitch perhaps, or maybe some comic recommendations that I, you know, maybe haven't covered yet on the podcast, feel free to email me. Send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com and put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read them here on the podcast and answer any questions you may have, like our good brother and returning mailbag guest, Russell. I want to make sure I get this right. Russell Swinehammer. That is the coolest friggin' name. Swinehammer. Russell Swinehammer wrote in. He writes, hey, Eric, thanks for another great episode. It's Russell. You may remember me or not. I, I'm just going to put this out here now. I remember everyone who writes into this podcast. It means the world to me when people write in. It really does. It makes my whole day. Um, 
having a segment and being able to actually talk to people is what this whole podcast is about. So thank you very much for writing in and thank you to everyone who has written in. But back to Russell's letter, he says, Hey, Eric, thanks for another great episode. As much as I should be talking about Black Widow, I'm truly more excited about how big a fan of Beast Wars you are. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm 35, so I grew up with Beast Wars or at as it was called in Canada, Beasties. I did not know that. That's cool. That's because our censorship board won't allow the word war in the title of a program for kids. I guess that makes sense. Anyway, I'd love for you to have an episode on Beast Wars or Transformers in general. I'm a diehard fan of that universe. As much as I love Marvel and some anime, Transformers will always take the top spot, especially Beast Wars. I hope they don't have a building-sized Optimus Primal unless it is optimal Optimus. Who would you like to see in the new Transformers movie? So, once again, Russell, thank you for your letter. I am over the moon about Beast Wars. Very, very excited. And he made a very important distinction that I think everyone needs to know. The Beast Wars versions of the Autobots, Decepticons, all of the Transformers were not as big as the classic versions or definitely not as big as the fucking, like he said, the building-sized Um Building-sized Transformers that we see in the movies, they were closer to, like, the Bumblebee size that we saw in the Bumblebee movie. Um, a little bit smaller, you know, th these things have to turn into animals and stuff. And I'm just very, very excited about the idea of Beast Wars. Like like Russell, I grew up with these things. Um, I've always been a fan of Transformers in general. Um one of my favorite movies of all time from my childhood is that original Transformers movie that has Stan Bush's Dare, one of my favorite songs of all time, as its technically theme song. But I absolutely love the the Beast Wars, or I guess now the Beasties uh Transformers. I think that's super cool that they were called Beasties in Canada. Um, that makes me <laughs> that makes me really happy that that's what that is. But I was I was the kid who was always about Optimus Primal. Like I had the toy. I watched it every single week. I carried that thing around with me all the time. So I am a big Optimus Primal mark. I am someone who will always go to defend that Optimus Primal and automatically rank him above even G1 Optimus because it's just how it was. And a quick little uh, bit of trivia for you, the voice actor for Optimus Primal in the original series, uh, Gary Chalk, also in that series voiced Generation 1 Megatron. So um, I, I'm wondering if they're going to integrate it in the same way that it was integrated in the show. Uh, I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Bring on everybody. Literally bring on everyone. I want everyone there. I don't care if there are too many of them. Give me Quick Strike. Give me Ravage. Give me fucking Scorponok. I want all of them. <laughs> just, just, I don't want anything with, um, I think his name was Tarantulas. I just, again, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with spiders. I just, I don't do it. So, um, but yeah, big, big win for the, uh, Transformers movies, big, big win for fans of Beast Wars and, as it happens, big wins for me and Russell. Thanks again, Russell. If, again, you would like to have your email read on the podcast, if you have a question for me or anything, send them to geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read them 
here. And finally, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you want to keep up to date with me, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or you just want to shoot the shit and talk about the latest comic book or, you know, geek culture news, uh, feel free to follow us on the social medias, Instagram and Twitter. Much more, I'm, I'm probably... Yeah, I'm, I'm much more active on Twitter than I am on uh, Instagram, but I do post up stuff for the uh, episodes each week on the Instagram, showing off pictures, showing off panels, characters, and whatnot, so follow us there, and then if you want to engage with me on Twitter, at Pod for both Instagram and Twitter, that's at P-O-D. so yeah, that would be the best way to get in touch with me if you want to uh, talk about comic books. I'm a big fan of comic books, if you couldn't tell, and I always love getting to meet more comic book fans and talk to them about all the stuff that just makes the world go round. Comics make the world go round at this point, but that is going to do it for this week's episode and the first installment of Captain America Month. I am very, very excited about the rest of the episodes for this month. I have been waiting to dedicate an entire solid amount of episodes to Captain America, and with his 80th anniversary this year, I mean, now is as good a time as any. So I uh, look forward to more Captain America next week. Same geek time, same geek channel with an episode that I'm very excited about. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next time. Geek